morning, everyone. Good morning, Missouri City Campus. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. And welcome to the second week of our series on the 40 Days of Prayer. Last week, Pastor Mark launched the series and he challenged us to consider praying together, gathering together in communities to pray. He talked about the importance of praying together. And many of you from all different campuses, including Richmond Rosenberg now, that's where I'm going to be going, are involved in 40 days of prayer. We have over 12 groups already in Richmond Rosenberg that are meeting each week. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's pretty nice to see many of you that are heading to Richmond Rosenberg jump into these groups. There's many that have launched here at our Sugarland campus and at our Missouri City campus. There are a number of groups meeting as well. But to be honest, for some of us, the thought of praying either by ourselves or in community or even out loud at times can be a little bit overwhelming and maybe even discouraging. Some of us have tried even meeting with people like prayer partners to help us learn how to pray better. We think that that could be a solution. Some of us might even journal our prayers and writing them out, seeing if we'll receive an answer that way. Others of us have made promises to God to be a better prayer moving forward. But yet, everything that you've tried, the outcome hasn't been what you've expected. It hasn't been what you'd hoped for. You're still not hearing from God. There seems to be a barrier, maybe an obstacle, that you haven't cleared that would give you a direct line to God and receive from him what you're asking of him. Last January, my family and I adopted a five-month-old lab mix, and we named him Maxwell. We got him from the shelter. And many of my friends looked at Maxwell and said, you need to make him a hunting dog. He'd be a great hunting dog, because they know I love hunting. And I said, you know what? I don't hunt enough, nor do I have that kind of income to train a dog to be a hunting dog. But I knew Maxwell needed to be in something. And so I enrolled him. Oh, there he is already. We're showing that video a little quick. But anyways, that's Maxwell. And I enrolled him in agility competition. And uh, so his goal in this agility, as you're seeing right now, is for him to get over obstacles, get through tunnels, around weave poles. And when he's successful, it's because he keeps his eyes on me and he listens to my voice. But when he has a hard time clearing an obstacle or he comes up to an obstacle that he does not complete, most often it's because he's taking his eyes off of his handler, his dad, or he's not listening to the commands that I've given to him. He's only seven months into this, so he's not competing at any national level. Last uh, Thursday night, he actually competed or completed 10 obstacles for the first time in a row without stopping, which was a big deal for a year and a half old dog. But um, one of the things I find out, though, is that each time we go out, he gets better and better. He starts to watch me more, listen to me more often. See, I think hearing from God through our prayers is similar to Max and the obstacles that he faces in training. See, it's gonna take time for Max, to, to, for him to uh, accomplish and master the obstacle course. Similarly, it will take time for us to navigate, to process, to handle, to clear the obstacles in our prayer life so that we can find success in our connection with God. There isn't a one-time fix-all where all your obstacles are removed and you're always in constant communication with God. This is a process that we'll need to go through every single day. There are a variety of different obstacles. 
They will come, we will come across these obstacles every single day that prevent us from connecting with God in the level where we receive the answers we all are seeking in our prayers. And as we pray, we come across certain obstacles that get in the way of us successfully hearing and seeing the answers from God. We try to keep our eyes on God. We try to keep listening. But sometimes obstacles get in our way to prevent us from seeing and hearing him. It is possible that you and I could pray for something that God wants to give us, but we would still not receive it simply because the obstacles are in our way and they keep killing our prayers. Let me say that again. It is possible that you and I could pray for something that God really wants to give us, but we would still not receive it simply because the obstacles that are in our way are killing our prayers. If you're gonna get what you pray for, you have to clear the obstacles. You have to navigate them. You have to get around them. So what are these obstacles? I keep mentioning the word obstacles, clearing them, getting around them. What are these things that are keeping us from communicating with God privately and in community? How do we navigate these obstacles? How do we get around them, get over them, get through them so that we can receive from God what we're asking for? Well, this morning I would like to look at three obstacles and talk about ways that we can clear those obstacles so that we would have a better pathway to God to receive from him what we're seeking. First, to clear the way to answered prayers, we must deal with the unconfessed sin in our life. This is a huge obstacle. Unconfessed sin in our lives can stand as an obstacle between us and God that affects the answers we seek. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 59. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. God wants to hear your prayers. He loves being in communication with us. He wants to answer our prayers, but he isn't because there is sin in your life. Known sin it has become an obstacle to the flow of your prayer life. He will refuse to respond until your heart is clean. He will refuse. He won't answer. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. Okay, this is not a perfection message. We all know that that's impossible for us to achieve, uh, to achieve on this side of heaven. But this is a process of going before God when there is sin in our life and dealing with it. God says that if we come to him with known sin in our lives, that he will forgive us before he gives us anything. He wants to pursue forgiveness. He wants to go through that process first before he answers our prayers. Known sin that is not confessed is an obstacle that stops God's answers. Have you had times in your life where you prayed and you prayed and you got on your knees and you never, you're not hearing from God and you're like, I keep praying, I've done everything I possibly think of to pray and maybe God just is too busy. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God just is gonna say no no matter what. Or maybe, maybe there's a sin in your life that you haven't dealt with, that you're struggling with, that's ongoing and you're not receiving the answers because that obstacle of sin has gotten in its way. Sin short-circuits the work of God in responding to our prayers. Short-circuits. Today, there may be some of us in this room who are struggling with unconfessed sin. So 
Some of you might be holding resentment towards someone. They've said something to you, they've hurt you. Maybe they've gotten a position that you thought you deserved and you resent them and you're, you're holding it right now against them. And it's affecting your relationship, but it's also affecting your relationship with God. Well, Jesus has a response to that. Look in Matthew chapter five. He says, therefore, if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brothers or sisters have something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Fix that situation. Forgive that relationship. Then come and offer your gift. Today there may be men in this room, maybe even some women in this room, who are struggling with pornography. You're dabbling with it. You're justifying it. You're rationalizing it. You're compartmentalizing. You think, well, this is an issue over here. I'll take care of this. My spiritual life is separate than this. This does not have an effect on this. That does have an effect on that. What you're struggling with in that area has an effect on your relationship with God. God cannot answer our prayers while condoning our sinful behavior. You can't. As a parent, you, would you keep rewarding your children when they ask for stuff while they're, even, while they're continu continually disobedient to you? When they're deliberately disobeying you? Just, that just means you're just creating a pattern of behavior in their life that they have no need or urge to follow your leadership because you're just rewarding their disobedience. God will not reward our disobedience. Today there may be someone in here struggling with gossip. You'll leave today after church, after a great worship experience, greeting people, shaking people's hands, hugging people, go home, and you'll engage in that same behavior of talking about somebody in your neighborhood, at work, a family member that you have issues with, and you just talk smack about them behind their back, and you just gossip about them, tell stories. It's sin. There could be unforgiveness toward a family member in this room this morning. Someone's hurt you, maybe years ago, and you are saying, I'm not forgiving that person. Today, someone in here could be participating in a destructive behavior. No one knows about it, and you haven't admitted it, but God knows. Today, there could be somebody in here who's, who's struggling to be a truth teller. You lie to cover a lie to cover a lie, and the cycle goes on and on and on. You're trying to cover up all the things that are going on in your world, and they're all lies. See, sin eats us up on the inside, but the repercussions go even deeper. Sin can be an obstacle to answered prayer. Look what David said in Psalm 66. If I had cherished sin in my heart, if I had known sin in my heart, if I had unconfessed sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Would not have listened. Do you see the connection here? God is saying, if there is unconfessed sin, known sin in your life, why would I answer you? You've chosen to go your way and not my way. So maybe what we need to do right now is just stop in our tracks and do what David did in Psalm 139. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Take the largest spotlight you have, God, and shine it in the darkest areas of my life where I know there is sin, known sin that I haven't dealt with, and put a spotlight on it. 
I wanted you to bring it to the, my mind right first and foremost, right here in front of us, right in front of us, so we can deal with it together. And if we humbly ask God, he will show us what needs to be dealt with. If we're honest and truthful and we're like, God, nothing, no stone unturned, no closet door unlocked up, we unlock it all, we open it, expose all of it. God says, well, let's deal with it. Now, when God brings to mind unconfessed sin, known sin, what are we supposed to do? Well, first is, we don't excuse it. We don't make an excuse for it. We don't blame someone else for it. We don't dismiss it. We accept the truth about the sin. We call it what it is. It is going my way and not God's ways. It's doing something that is contrary to what God wants for our life, and we pursue our own path and do something that God commanded us not to do. And after we accept the truth, we, ask, we admit to God that it's a sin. God, it's a sin. I call it what it is. I lied. It's a sin. I looked at something on the internet I should not have looked at that was inappropriate. It's sin. I've been holding back forgiveness from that person. I have resentment towards someone. That's sin. And then we ask him to forgive us. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then we follow that up with, God, would you deliver me from this sin? I don't want to repeat this cycle. I don't want to repeat this sin. I don't want to keep doing this over and over and over again. And maybe God would put somebody on your heart that you can go to, somebody that you trust, and you can confess that sin to them, and they can hold you accountable so that you won't repeat it. Somebody who will pray alongside you, walk alongside you to help you not struggle in that area. And then you're going to have to keep doing it. It's going to be a daily process. It's not a one-time fix-all until you finally break the habit of that sin. And when you do this, you know what happens? 1 John 1.9 tells us what happens. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's promise right here, it doesn't say, maybe I'll forgive you. Well, let's, let's see how you do first before I forgive you. No, when we confess our sins, he forgives. The key words, forgives and cleanse. He will remove it from the equation. And one of the benefits of having sin removed is that he will now begin to hear when we pray. So it's like the ceiling has been removed. The prayers that are hitting that ceiling are gone and is gone and the prayers go directly to God and God's going, oh, all right, we're back to where we want to be. The more we clean out the sin in our lives, the more the power comes, the more the answers come from God. Secondly, to clear the way to answer prayers in our lives, we must deal with the issue of doubt. Another obstacle is doubt. Doubt can have a huge impact when we try to pray. Some of us doubt God hears us. He's just too busy. There's no way, I mean, this is a small little prayer. I can't find my, my ring, and so I'm just going to pray. But really, he's too busy to want to help me find my ring. Maybe God has, you know, maybe we doubt God has time to listen to our prayers. Maybe even, we even doubt that God cares. Maybe we even doubt the effectiveness of our prayers. Like we think our words aren't spiritual enough to be considered prayers. God wants us to have confidence in his ability and willingness to provide what is necessary for us to grow in our relationship with him. He wants us to believe that he can and will do what he says. That's written in his word. So when we doubt, when we think the answer is always going to be no or that he's not listening, we limit 
our prayers. Look at what James says in chapter one of the book of James. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all who without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with what? No doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Don't ever assume you're going to hear from the Lord if you doubt that he will answer you. That's what that verse is saying. For many of us, our prayer experience has been a comparison of the prayers of other people. Let me explain. Have you ever been around someone who just prayed with such vigor, such articulation, using incredibly beautiful words, and they're like one step away from sainthood? Have you ever been around a person like that? I have. I know I have. And I'm like, it's my turn to pray? Nope, I'm going to pass. Because I'm not good enough, smart enough, wise enough, spiritual enough to even compete with that prayer. Isn't that true? Have you ever been around someone like that? So what happens then? We begin to doubt our prayers. We, we, we think that we must achieve some level of spirituality before we can obtain the right opportunity to pray before God. Like, God, I'm not there yet, but I'm working my way up to sainthood so that I can pray. There's a woman who called her local pastor to have her come over and pray with her dad. And her dad was sick, and he came over, and uh, the pastor came over, and he walked into the room, and he noticed a man laying on a bed propped up by two pillows and an empty chair right next to the bed. And so he assumed that the chair was for him. So he walked in, he said, oh, I see you're expecting me, sir. And, this, and the old man said, no, I, I wasn't. Who are you? Oh, I'm the new associate pastor from your daughter's church. She invited me to come over. I just thought that was for me to sit in that chair. And he said, oh, yeah, the chair. Um, pastor, could you close the door? Puzzled, the pastor did okay. He go, all right. He closed the door, and he walked over, and he sat in the chair. He said, for so many years, I have struggled with prayer, and I have never told anyone this, not even my daughter. I've just doubted that my words mattered or meant anything when I prayed. When I would go to church and hear the pastor pray or him talk about prayer, it went right over my head. I abandoned any attempt at prayer. But four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is simply a matter of conversation that you have with Jesus. So here's what I would suggest. Joe, take two chairs. You sit in one and have one facing you. And with faith, see Jesus sitting in the other one. Now, it's not spooky because he says he'll always be with us. And then just have a conversation. You listen, you talk, just like that. The old man said, I love that so much that I do it a couple hours every single day. But I'm very careful that my daughter doesn't see me. If she comes in and sees me talking to an empty chair, she's either going to have a nervous breakdown or send me to the funny farm. Well, the pastor was deeply moved by the old man's pursuit and his journey. He said, you keep doing that. He prayed with the man, and then he left. A couple days later, the woman called the pastor to say that her daddy had passed away. The pastor asked, did he, was he at peace when he died? Yes, he was. I was going to the store, and I walked over to the bed to my dad, and he told me one of his corny jokes. He kissed me on the cheek, and an hour later, when I returned from the store, I found him that he had passed away. She said, but there was something strange, kind of weird, actually. Before my daddy died, he must have leaned over, because where I found him, he had his head on the chair. 
You know, many of us maybe are currently like this old guy. He doubted he, pr- he could pray. He thought prayer was much more than a conversation with God, as if there were some magical words or some formula, a special formula that only special spiritual people were able to use. But what did he discover? That he was able to have a conversation with God and not doubt that his prayers weren't being answered. He knew God was talking to him. He personalized his conversation with Jesus. Look what Jesus says in chapter of the book of Mark in chapter 11. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever does, says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. To get around the obstacle of doubt, we must trust that God hears us and that he will answer us. His word says that. And if believers are believing in his word, the infallible word of God that is perfect, if we put our trust in him, he will be loyal to his word and he will answer our prayers. There's no need to doubt that he hears you. There's no need to doubt the effectiveness of your prayers. He loves to talk just like you and I are having conversation together today. And that will allow us to have confidence in our prayers. Thirdly, to clear the way to answered prayers, we must be right in our relationships. There are three, three key passages that tell us that broken relationships shut down God's responses to our prayers. The first passage is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. God is reminding us husbands of three things. Be considerate of your wife. Treat your wife with respect and recognize that your wife is as equal to you before God. Ladies, aren't you glad that verse is in the Bible? Can I get an amen on that? Thank you. There you go. There you go. See, when we as, we as husbands don't treat our wives in this way, it could become an obstacle to our prayers. How many times have we been insensitive to our wives? I can't begin to tell you the number of times that I've been like that because of my immaturity, my selfishness, my sinfulness. When we are treating our spouses wrongly, our prayers are affected. Does this just apply to men? Well, it applies to men, but it also applies to the ladies. God isn't saying, men, treat your wives correctly or it will affect your prayers. And But ladies, you can treat your men any way you want, your husbands any way you want. It really doesn't matter. I'm not saying that at all. Actually, uh, an author named R.A. Torrey, he wrote a book called How to Pray, and he dealt with this passage. And he says this, In many a case, the prayers of husbands are hindered because of their failures. On the other hand, it is also doubtless true that the prayers of wives are hindered because of their failure of duty toward their husbands. If husbands and wives would diligently seek to find the cause of their unanswered prayers, they would often find it in the relations with one another. But to be honest, this, doesn't, this obstacle does not just apply to husbands and wives. It applies to all of our relationships. When we treat our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers wrongly, it affects our prayers. 
Our relationships are important to God. God wants us in community. He loves us having healthy relationships with one another, brothers and sisters doing life together. He loves that. But when they're out of balance, whether it's with a wife, a husband, a neighbor, a coworker, whomever, it affects our prayers. There are two other passages that deal with the relationships that affect our prayers. First one is found in Matthew. It's from Jesus, chapter 6. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then in the book of Mark, Jesus said, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Jesus is saying that there is a direct connection between our willingness to forgive another person who wronged us and his willingness to have fellowship with us. A direct connection. That's a gut check. Because I think in a room this size, there's some of us in here are struggling with forgiving someone who's hurt us. And we've held back forgiveness. And this tells me this, if a person decides, I will not forgive, that person is deciding, I never want to have fellowship with God again. Wow. This was tough for me to write. I had to do an examination of my own heart and my own spirit and go, God, who am I not forgiven? Because I want nothing more but to have a relationship with you because the most important relationship in my life is with you. And if I am not in fellowship with you, why is that? So what does it mean to forgive? Well, in reality, it's, it's saying three words, let it go. But for some of you right now, you're like, no way, Pastor Tim. You don't know what that person's done to me. You don't know the hurt they've caused. You don't know the pain they've caused. And you're just telling me to let it go like it's no big deal? No, I understand. Hurts are deep in here. There are different types of pain, different types of issues in here, and I'm not just saying to flippantly say, let it go. What I am saying, though, is to begin the process of saying, God, do a work in me where I can begin to forgive, where I can begin the process of letting go of this so that I can move back into a relationship with you and I can have community with you. I don't want the, my issue of unforgiveness towards someone to affect my relationship. And it may take time, and it may take a while and a process, but God, who loves us, will flood our hearts with forgiveness, will be there to help us walk through that so we can get to that point where we can freely let go. Because so many of us are holding on tightly to that unforgiveness. But when we let go, there's a freedom that only God can provide and a peace that only he can give us. I think we would all agree that prayer is a necessity of the Christian life. It's the direct connection to God. It's the hotline to him that we have anytime, anywhere. So let me ask you a question this morning. How's your prayer life? After talking about the obstacles this morning that get in our way, anyone in here struggling with unconfessed sin? Anyone in here dealing with some broken relationships that need mending? Anyone in here struggling with doubt? Doubting that your prayers are being answered? Doubting that your prayers are being heard? Anyone in here struggling with spending consistent time in God's word? 
watching him move in our lives, helping us, wanting to grow closer to him? Anyone in here struggling with comparing your prayer life to the prayers of somebody else? How often are you praying? How many of us have gotten on our knees recently and prayed and we feel like our prayers are drifting off or hitting some ceiling? We're not sure where they go. Ever had prayers go without an answer of any kind? C.S. Lewis, who is an author of several books, uh, Narnia Chronicles, a lot of faith-based books for adults, and uh, his life has been an inspiration to many of us. Years ago, they came out with a movie about his life. It was called Shadowlands. I'm not certain how many of you have seen it, but it was a phenomenal story about his relationship with his wife, Joy. They had met when he was the Don at Oxford, uh, Oxford uh, uh, University, and during that time, she was diagnosed with cancer. Well, after that diagnosis, the two of them got married, and the movie invites us to witness their love, their pain, their grief, their struggles, their struggles with their faith and with God, and eventually Joy dies. And at one point in the story, a friend says to Lewis, I know how hard you've been praying. Now God is answering your prayers. And I love Lewis's response because I think it is a reflection of all of us when it comes to prayer. Lewis replies, that's not why I pray, Harry. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the needs flow out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. Prayer changes me. And that's what prayer is. It's the confidence we find in our prayers that comes from the depravity that we all have inside of us. And when we navigate, when we overcome, when we clear the obstacles that prevent us from seeing God, God answers our prayers and we grow spiritually. A week ago last Sunday was the 11th anniversary of the passing of my dad. He died at the young age of 62. Now, maybe that was, you would consider that a shock. Yes and no. Um, that he died uh, at 62 that day, yeah, that was a little bit of a shock. I was living in Michigan, he was living in Chicago, and I got the call that my dad had one week left to live. And so I hurried down there uh, and to be with him. But I knew that he would die before the age of 70. His death was somewhat predictable. His family had a history of heart disease. He had terrible health habits. His love of red meat, chips, and donuts was not the diet that was going to get him into the later years of his life. He did not exercise. His first heart attack came at the age of 43, a triple bypass at 53. Cancer entered his body at 57 and eventually took his life at 62. The combination of all the health issues and lack of healthy habits was eventually what led to his death. And because of the lifestyle he chose, he was constantly overweight. He had a defibrillator due to his heart conditions, and he was never in good shape. His bad habits not only led to an early death, but they made his life uncomfortable as well. See, my dad had obstacles to good health. He knew what the obstacles were, but he never did anything about it. In the same way, when we see the obstacles in our prayer life, We just can't acknowledge them and move on. We just can't say, oh yeah, it must be this, oh, it must be that. We have to pursue spiritual health and growth. And when we don't pursue removing the obstacles that hinder our prayer life, our spiritual health suffers. Our spiritual health, our spiritual lives will be uncomfortable. The obstacles that pop up in our lives can deter us from developing a confident prayer life. 
This morning, I wanted to talk to you about all these things because I feel that these are obstacles that each one of us has struggled with when it comes to the effects of our prayer life. I wanted to talk to you this morning about removing the obstacle of sin that separates, removing the doubt that prevents confidence, reconciling with the broken relationships in our life. And when we do that, it would bring a confidence to our prayers that they're not only being heard, but they're being answered. It would bring a new joy to your life, a new hope for your future. And on top of all these things, when we clear these obstacles, it would bring an open path to the throne of God again. Now this morning, I talked to you about the obstacles. I got the kind of the tougher topic of the prayer series. But I want you to make sure that you come back. I want to invite you back next week where Pastor Mark is going to talk to us about how we align our hearts in such a way that our prayers achieve great results. We get rid of the barriers. We clear the barriers, the obstacles. We remove them. We learn how to navigate them by keeping our eyes on him and following him and listening to his voice. And then now we get to see the great results of that. Would you stand with me and pray? I'm going to ask us to step out of our comfort zones for a minute. This morning, we've talked about three obstacles. In a room this size, I would imagine there's a variety of different people who are struggling maybe with some of these. And there's a desire in this room right now this morning, I feel it, that we all want to be in direct communication with God. We want to hear from him. We want to see the answers to the prayers we've been praying. And we just need now to clear the way of those obstacles. So this morning, as I pray, and if you feel so led, for those that have some issues with some sin in your life, or some broken relationships, or doubt, you can pursue a posture of prayer. There's three ways. I'm going to pray on my knees. If you want to join me to pray on my knees, I would love for you to join me wherever you're at, just to kneel. For some of us who have been hanging on so tightly to relationships that have hurt us and unforgiveness, that this morning maybe you're just going to pray right where you're at with your hands open. And once you release that, just know that you've released that relationship. For those of us in here maybe struggling with doubt, that today you have a posture saying, God, there's no way I'm ever going to doubt you again. Your word says that you will bring truth, that you will bring peace you will bring answers to my life. Let's pray. God, this morning, we come to you because we want to be in fellowship with you. God, we don't want there to be any obstacle. We don't want there to be any issue. We don't want there to be any unconfessed sin. We don't want any doubt. We want our relationships to be right We know that these three things can keep us from being in fellowship with you. You're our dad, and we long so, so much to be your child and to have a great relationship with you. So today, Lord, we pray that you would clear, that you would clear, help us clear these obstacles in our life. God, today we lift up unconfessed sin. We, we know what that sin is. And so we ask for forgiveness that you would clean us, that you would forgive us and restore us 
in our relationship with you. God, we pray today that we would have confidence in you, knowing that you are who you say you are. You will do what you say you'll do. God, we pray for these relationships that have hurt us, that have kept us from being who we want to be and who you want us to be. We pray that you would help us in our relationships so that we can move toward healing and peace. And Lord, today we know you hear us, that you care about us. And we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.